Today, we're going for a ride on a couple of donkeys. Yes, you heard me right. Donkeys. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. Today we've got another episode in our series called Storylines. It's about people, places, and things that show up repeatedly in the Bible and that have special significance and meaning. Today we want to dig into the Bible's account of two famous donkeys, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. But before we do that, let's talk about this special creation of God. Would you believe that the word donkey is mentioned more than 140 times in the Bible? What's also interesting is that there isn't just one Hebrew word for donkey or just one Greek word, as we might expect. There are more words for donkey than I would have thought. In the Old Testament, there are five different words for donkey. There is one word for a male donkey and a different word for a female donkey. There is a separate word for young donkeys that are under the age of four, namely a colt, which is a young male donkey. Donkeys under the age of one are called foals and can be either male or female. Finally, there are two different Hebrew words for wild donkeys. More than half of the occurrences of the word donkey refer to the male adult donkey. When we get to the New Testament, we find three Greek words used. A general word for donkey, a specific word for a donkey that is a pack animal or a draft animal, and a word for a young donkey. The Hebrew language uses different words to specify whether a donkey is male or female. The Greek language does not. Although there are a handful of references to wild donkeys in the Bible, the vast majority of references involve the domesticated variety. And in addition to donkeys, there are other domesticated animals in the Bible, such as cattle, horses, mules, sheep, and goats. Donkeys were valuable and versatile animals. In Bible times, donkeys were used as pack animals. In Genesis 22, when the Lord called upon Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac, Abraham packed up his donkey with wood to be used in the sacrifice. Then they set out on the 50-mile journey to Mount Moriah. Or think of when there was a famine in the land of Canaan, and the patriarch Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to buy grain. Donkeys were used to transport the grain back home. Donkeys were also used for human transportation. In the book of Judges, there is a brief reference to one of the judges, a man by the name of Jair. In his brief bio, we learn that he had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. Nothing significant about that, just interesting that he had 30 sons and and they all rode donkeys. In the Old Testament, there was another animal used for human transportation. It was the mule. 
A mule is the result of breeding a male donkey with a female horse, a filly. So a mule is half donkey. What is a bit unique in the ancient world was that the kings of Israel preferred mules to ride instead of horses. Horses were a symbol of power and war. Mules and donkeys were symbols of peace. So, if you saw a king's army coming at you riding horses, get prepared for battle. If they were riding mules or donkeys, they were likely coming in peace. Did you know that King David had his own personal mule? And his son Absalom was riding a mule the day his hair got caught in the low-hanging thick branches of an oak tree. On another occasion, David told his servants to put his son Solomon on his own mule and take him to the town of Gihon, where he would be anointed as the next king of Israel. Although only half donkey, mules had a lot in common with donkeys. Donkeys were also used in agriculture. They were used to pull a plow out in the fields or to pull a wagon. Female donkeys were especially prized, not just because they could give birth to more little donkeys, but because of their milk. Say, have you, you ever had donkey milk? I haven't. I, I wonder if you can even buy it. Maybe Costco sells it. I, I really don't know. What I do know is that drinking donkey milk is all the craze these days, especially in Europe, among adventurous foodies and people who want to eat natural foods with health benefits. Some Europeans have also been advocating that donkey milk is a COVID-19 drink of choice, claiming it offers protection against the virus. Donkey milk has a long history of medicinal and cosmetic uses. The Greek physician Hippocrates, who lived 400 years before Jesus was even born, used donkey milk as a treatment for arthritis, coughs, and for wounds. Cleopatra, the Egyptian queen, is said to have maintained her soft, smooth skin with donkey milk baths. Hmm. I guess if you're a queen, you get to do stuff like that. And people think that donkeys are just stubborn beasts of burden. Not at all. Our Creator God created donkeys with so much more to offer. I mentioned earlier that there are two famous donkeys in the Bible. Let's check out the first one. It was a female donkey owned by a man named Balaam. You can read about this story beginning in the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Balaam was a prophet, but not an Israelite prophet. Most likely, he was from the country of Ammon. He lived during the time when the Israelites, under the leadership of Moses, were traveling to the Promised Land after their exodus from Egypt. They had been wandering for nearly 40 years in the Sinai Desert due to their lack of trust in the promises and power of the Lord. But now they were making their way north, planning to travel along the eastern side of the Dead Sea to the Jordan River. When they arrived at the border of the country of Edom, which was down south, they were refused passage through their country. So Moses led the Israelites around Edom and continued north. They passed by the country of Moab to the east and came to a territory that they needed to get through to get to the Jordan River. 
To do so, the Israelites had to defeat two kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. News quickly got out about the Israelites' victory, and that news made Moab's king, King Balak, very nervous. He ruled Moab, a country located just east of the Dead Sea. Maybe a little background about who the people of Moab were. Unfortunately, it's not a happy story. Moab and his brother Ammon were the sons of Lot. Recall that Lot was Abraham's nephew. Lot's wife wasn't around anymore. Remember why? Well, she was turned to a pillar of salt after looking back to watch God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, something which God told Lot's family not to do. Sadly, the sons born to Lot were the result of an incestuous relationship between Lot and his two daughters. The countries of Ammon and Moab were the descendants of those two brothers. Back to King Balak. He was nervous that the Israelites might do to him what they did to the kings of the Amorites and Bashan. But I'm really not sure why he was so nervous. The Israelites had already traveled past Moab and were camped near Moab's northern border at a place known as the Plains of Moab, just east of the Jordan River and the city of Jericho. The Israelites had no reason to enter into Moab. They were planning to cross the Jordan River and enter the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Anyway, King Balak was nervous. You get that feeling from what he told others. He said, this horde, referring to the Israelites, is going to lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. Interesting picture, isn't it? Because of his concern, Balak sent representatives to Balaam to summon him to come to Moab in order to curse the Israelites. The message from Balak to Balaam was this. A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed and those you curse are cursed. The messengers who shared this message with Balaam also brought a stash of cash to pay him for his efforts. Balaam told the king's entourage to stay the night because Balaam wanted to hear from the Lord. God came to Balaam and said, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Balaam informed the messengers about what God had said and they returned to Moab. Then Balak sent other messengers, princes, more numerous and more distinguished, with another message. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Again, Balaam told the king's entourage to stay the night so that he could learn what the Lord would say. This time the Lord told Balaam, go with them. But do only what I tell you. The next morning, Balaam saddles up his donkey and sets out for Moab. But then we learn that God was now very angry with Balaam. It seems that the Lord knew Balaam's thoughts and greedy intentions of his heart. So for a third time, the Lord comes to Balaam. 
but this time in a most unusual and unique way. As Balaam was traveling down the road to Moab, riding his donkey, we are told that the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Now, if you listen to my podcast on angels, you'll recall that there are created angels, and there is also the angel of the Lord, who is God himself, the second person of the Trinity. Well, that's who was standing in the road. It was God himself. Now, Balaam couldn't see the angel of the Lord, but Balaam's donkey could. And when the donkey saw the angel, she turned off the road into a field. This didn't make Balaam happy. So sadly, he beat her with his staff to get her back on the road. Now, down the road a bit, where the road was lined with a wall, the angel appeared again. The donkey reacted by running into one of the walls to get away from the angel. And in the process, Balaam's foot was crushed against the wall. Balaam was angry and beat his poor donkey again. Up ahead, the road got even narrower. The angel of the Lord stood again in the road with no place for the donkey to go. So she laid down on the ground. This made Balaam very angry. So he beat her with his staff again. And then we see the miraculous power of God at work. God allowed the donkey to speak to Balaam. What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So Balaam bowed low and fell face down. Long story short, Balaam repented before the Lord and offered not to go to Moab. But the Lord told him to go, but only to speak what God would tell him. I'll let you read the details of Balaam's encounter with King Balak in Numbers chapter 23 and 24 on your own, but I'll just summarize it. Balak took Balaam to three different places where Balak made sacrifices to his gods. After each of these three sacrifices, Balaam spoke a message of blessing, not curses, upon the Israelites. And then after sharing those three blessings, Balaam made two unsolicited predictions that spoke about the destruction of Moab, and none of these is what Balak wanted to hear. Although Balaam did not curse the Israelites, he did sabotage them in an act of pure evil. According to Revelation 2.14, Balaam told King Balak how to get the Israelite men to engage in sexual immorality and then worship their false god, Baal. Balaam knew this would anger the Lord. Sadly, the Israelite men committed these sexual acts with the women of Moab. And as a result, God sent a deadly plague which cost the lives of 24,000 Israelites. Because of this, Balaam has gone down in history as a wicked and greedy scoundrel. So, what's the takeaway from the story of Balaam and his donkey? 
Well, Balaam rode his donkey to Moab, wanting desperately to get paid a ton of money to curse Israel. God would not have it. God turned the desired curses into blessings for Israel. It's a story that teaches us that God's will always prevails. And that's similar to the other famous donkey in the Bible, the one who showed up on Palm Sunday. All four gospel writers tell the story of Palm Sunday. At the heart of the story is a prophecy from the book of Zechariah. Matthew wrote, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, Say to daughters Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah's prophecy is a Bible thread significant for two reasons. First of all, Jesus was stating with his riding into Jerusalem on a donkey that he was indeed the promised Messiah, the king that Zechariah had foretold. Secondly, riding a donkey symbolized peace. Jesus didn't enter Jerusalem on a war horse coming to destroy his earthly enemies. No, he came gently to secure peace between God and mankind by defeating our spiritual enemy. A young donkey and its mother were brought to Jesus by his disciples to ride into Jerusalem. People placed garments on the donkey on which Jesus sat. And as he rode to the city, they also placed garments on the road, as well as palm branches, all for their king. The Jewish people were very familiar with Zechariah's prophecy. That's evident in how they responded to Jesus riding a donkey. They exclaimed, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest heaven! Did you catch that? The coming kingdom of our father David? These people knew who Jesus was. For me, whenever I think about Palm Sunday, I'm also reminded of God's command to Abraham to take his son Isaac and go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there. Mount Moriah, in Abraham's day, is where the city of Jerusalem would one day exist. Abraham loaded up his donkey with the wood for the sacrifice, but there at Mount Moriah, the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. Instead, God provided a substitute sacrifice, a ram caught in a thicket. Now on Palm Sunday, a substitute sacrifice rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He was our substitute. You know, there's another passage in the Old Testament which looked ahead to Palm Sunday, but it's not quite as familiar as the one in the book of Zechariah. It's from Genesis chapter 49. The patriarch Jacob had gathered together his sons to share the future with them, inspired by God, of course. To his son Judah, he spoke about a future kingdom. What he says might be familiar to you. 
The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. The reference to Judah's descendants is significant. The descendants of Judah were the only tribe that returned from the Babylonian captivity. That return of Judah's descendants was critical because this is a prophecy about Jesus, the Christ, coming as a king. But the next verse, also talking about this future king, is a bit interesting. Jacob said, He, the future king, will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. It's a bit vague, but it's clear there would be a future king who had a donkey and her colt. So what do you think about that? The account of Balaam and his donkey doesn't seem to have much in common with Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, does it? Or maybe they do have something in common. I think there is a connection, a thread. Just think about this. It is God's unchanging will to bless his people. In the case of Balaam, the donkey carried this scoundrel to another country where King Balak was expecting Israel to be cursed. Instead, Israel was blessed by God three times, along with a prophecy that the king and his country would one day be destroyed. On Palm Sunday, a donkey carried the king of righteousness into Jerusalem so that Jesus could be cursed for us. Romans 3 tells us, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus became a curse so that we might gain the blessings of God, the blessings of forgiveness, of his love, and a new life that will never end. God wanted to bless his Old Testament people, and he did. God wanted to bless us eternally, and he did. What the two donkey stories have in common is that they teach us that God's will of blessing his people is always done. Donkeys, it's one of the Bible's storylines. If you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. And I'd like to invite you to listen to our other Time of Grace podcasts. All of Pastor Mike's messages are available for download as well as our digital devotions from our other Time of Grace speakers. And don't forget about Little Things with Amber Albee Swenson. And guess what? We have a brand new podcast. It's called The Non-Microwave Truth with C.L. Whiteside. Check them all out. You'll be glad you did. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for another episode in our Bible Thread series entitled Storylines. God bless.